something uh, where each week we choose a subject and take a deep dive exploring that subject. This week, uh, I'm joined by Nick again as we delve into psychological experiments. Uh, we're going to talk about just general psychological experiments. We're going to talk about some in, that we've seen in movies and in popular culture and others um, that have happened in real life. You ready to go, Nick? I'm ready to roll, brother. Oh yeah, this is going to be good. This is uh, this is Nick's subject, so he's going to take the lead on it, and uh, we're going to see where it takes us. All right, bear with Hopefully me. Hopefully, we don't this lose our my mind. first time. Oh, well, I think we're all a little lost in the end. All right, uh, well, let's start with uh, psychological experiments and you. Um, basically, when you're coming to, you know, a psychological experiment has to do with with the mind. And an experiment is an investigation in which a hypothesis is scientifically tested. So we've seen this throughout history, um, you know, where psychological experiments are done to get as a means to an end. Mm -hmm. And part of what we're going to explore this episode is whether it's ethical, where it's been used for good, bad, etc. So Calvin, what are you familiar with when it comes to psychological experiments? Well, the way... The way I've always looked at it, like, I find it interesting as a subject. Um, I don't know that I want to be a part of one necessarily, and we'll talk about that later a little <laughs> bit more. But um, at, with, with psychology in general, there was always part of me that wanted to pursue uh, psychology in college. Like, I wanted that to be my major for a very small amount of time. Um, yeah, you got to move on quickly from that one, but it's fascinating. Well, I took I took Psych 101 my freshman year, um, and it was just super super boring because like Psych 101 is let's talk about chemical reactions and let's talk about the history of psychologists, and it, it's not like the meat potatoes. Yeah, it's not it, it's not kind of like figuring out what makes people tick and how to how to read different things, and like that that was the part I was interested in the actual. Um, reflection of how people think and what they do why they do what they do uh but you don't get into that till like graduate level stuff so uh that that wasn't for me uh after all but um i you know i've i've seen movies and read a lot about different psychological experiments um that have happened in the real world so i'm i'm kind of excited to talk about those and just you know build a better basis of knowledge around them they're they're definitely an obscure part of our history. Um, America, I think, has always been viewed as the good guys, but we've done a lot of this, you know, this crazy experimentations on on people to to get to an end. Uh, you know, why people do certain things? Why was someone gay? Why did someone murder someone, etc. And uh, you know, those can be pretty brutal at times um i will say i got really lucky when i was in college for my psych 101 because i had a great teacher and she would always talk about um you know the experiments that people did on others to try to answer those questions a lot of them have no you know, we didn't get because into that something they don't understand she was nuts um <laughs> but you know she was cool it was worth my money that's for sure now yeah but for for me it was just like here's your textbook we're gonna read through the chapters as they're outlined and that was it and it was very boring I I got a C in the class um I didn't go very often I showed up when I needed to and uh, got my C and moved on with my life so hey sometimes you gotta do that I had to do that with humanities uh no it was sociology sociology one hundred and one was the most boring class I could I see ever that took. too yeah and I just feel like some of these where you know, you, you have to get the, the groundwork and the framework for it in the beginning, have the opportunity to be extremely boring. 
and it's like oh, they, and yeah. they make you write long papers about the history of this subject and like the like you had a, we had to write a paper about freud and like i he doesn't interest me his work interests me like there's a difference mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but you don't learn about his work you learn about who he is and how he became a psychologist like that's not interesting definitely not but i think everyone's under the assumption that if you if you learn this stuff you'll better understand you know what he was trying to get across right. but honestly i feel like there's tons of psychologists and stuff like that in the same you know level as freud who I know nothing about, but what they say is still fascinating, and I, it still impacts me in a way that I don't. I don't think it really matters. So I, I'm with you on that one. I was gonna say, speaking of Freud, um, that dude was kind of a, a a sociopath in a bit. Yeah, he was a big weirdo. <laughs> he was uh, a big weirdo. I only used him as an example because he's literally the only psychologist that I can like think of off the top of my head. I mean, he's a really, really famous guy. Everyone knows Sigmund Freud. Um, but the things he did to to get those answers he was after, you know, a lot of it in this day and age would be looked upon as kind of how we look upon, like, incest or something like that. It's it's right. taboo, you know. But he he achieved a lot for humanity, in a mm-hmm. sense. So, you know, the means he took, was that ethical? I... I mean, so that's 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 the big question about any type of psychological experiment, whether it's it happened in real life or you're watching a movie or TV show that contains something like that is mm-hmm. you, you want to explore, like, should we be doing things like this to people? And, you know, my answer is probably not um, just because at its heart, you can't like when you're testing, uh, let's say, a new cancer medication, you're mm-hmm. you're telling you know, people in the control group and in the experimental group, you're telling them what you're testing. You're you're giving them a background of, of what they're signing up for. With a psychological yeah. experiment, you inherently you can't do that. Because if you tell if you tell somebody, you know, we're gonna explore the effects of blah 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 on and how you react to it, that's automatically gonna trigger the person to react a certain way or not react a certain way. They're Absolutely. Gonna, they're gonna go Absolutely. into it with a preconceived notion. So you have to basically lie to them to get them to do it. And then you're you're telling them you're testing one thing, but really you're testing another. Um, so and and I think for the you know the doctor, uh, you know, or the the professor, whoever is uh, administering the experiment, there is is a lot of opportunity for them to fudge the results in either direction. Oh, yeah. It, it would Play be around. very easy to you know uh, move you know convince somebody one way or another it to to back up your thesis basically. And so that's, I, I just don't think that there's a way that they could, it, it could be completely ethical. Um, you know, it, it lives, I don't think it's unethical necessarily in all cases. It lives in this gray area where mm-hmm. that you don't know whether it was done for good or, you know, bad reasons until after it's done. And usually well, after way it's after done. it's done. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to kind of answer going into it if it's ethical, because you don't think you're going to hurt these people. You, you, you know like what you're trying to discover and that if it gets out of control, you can stop it. But a lot of times you're getting the result you want. So you don't want to stop it. You want to see how far it goes. And that's where it, that's where it crosses the line basically. Mm-hmm. Um, that natural human, human impulse to, right. to continue. You, you don't want to pull the plug because you're, you're finding out something new. Like you're, you're, 
you know, backing up your thesis or completely refuting it in a way that is interesting to you. So if you pull the plug on that, you lose all this research, basically, or it was tampered with. And it, it's just, I, I mean, anytime you involve humans in it where you, you can't give humans complete free will over their choices, that that's going to be a messy area as far as ethics go. Oh, absolutely. Because what, what are we but, you know, free will? That's that's part of the human spirit. And when, when you take that away, that's that's really stripping someone of everything they got. So I'm, I'm in, you know, general overall agreement with you that no... A lot of these experiments and stuff like that, especially like Freud and the crazy, you know, things he did are not ethical. But as a, you know, I th- I, I don't want to, I'm not a scientist, so I can't say for sure. But yeah, I'm right. almost positive it's been scientifically proven that since these things happened so long ago and so far away and to people we have never seen and will never know, there's only a certain level of... uh compassion we can feel for these people mm-hmm. so I, I don't know i think that adds to the gray area because it's like you know it at this day and age you know several you know 35 i don't even know how long ago freud was around but a while ago i want to say it was 60s uh, 70s somewhere in there but yeah i don't i didn't pay very much attention in that psychology class as we've he, discussed already um he didn't really fascinate me all but, that much but yeah like you're saying if you if you if we're reading about this stuff now, we're so far removed from it that it's like, okay, I don't really care what happened to those people. I don't want it to happen to me, but like they, we use them to, for the greater good, basically to um, figure out what we need to figure out. And now if you look at it, you're, you're going to say like, or sorry, if we were doing an experiment now, and think mm. about it if it was your family as part of the experiment and came home a completely broken person because of what happened in there in, you know, 50, 60 years, they're going to say, well, you know, that that person did good because we found out a lot of information. But my wife comes home to me and is completely broken. That doesn't help me out any. Yeah, I think that's a classic case of, you know, all for one and one for all type situations, because mm. that would be incredibly tough, you know, to know my wife is going into to try to solve a problem that they have to do things, you know, electroshock therapy, stuff like that. Lobotomies, that stuff is crazy, but they came to the conclusion. They still do lobotomies. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah. I actually, uh, I was listening to the lore episode about like the traveling lobotomist. Mm -hmm. That dude was nuts. He'd go around and do it, you know, between, between lunch that's weird yeah that's that's strange i, I never i mean i guess i understand if, if you don't have a great understanding of how the brain works why you would just drill into it and figure okay they're fixed yeah they're good enough <laughs> they're, they're, they're not now. speaking <laughs> exactly so may god be with you and, and goodbye but, that'll be 300 dollars, please yeah but, I, but i've read that that, that there still are lobotomies performed i don't think it's like a uh um it's a common thing anymore and electroshock mm-hmm. therapy is something that still goes on too because that i did know that, that one. can be effective but it's like not to the extent that they used to do it where they basically fry your brain now it's kind of mm-hmm. more small impulses conditioning type things so overall you know if these things are still used in modern day do you think the the experiments that were done to to justify the you know that experiment to get to that conclusion in the first place you know, since it was done for good, was ethical. 
Uh, it's a trick question. Yeah, still no. I mean, it still <laughs> falls in a gray area. Yeah, what came out of it may have been good, but you didn't go into it knowing that. You didn't, The people well, going into the experiment who were being experimented on didn't know that the the consequences of it would be good. We, well, not necessarily. And I mean, we'll talk about some of those later in the, in the show. Uh, specific experiments where these people knew what was going on going in. But it often didn't turn out very good. Right. Um, so we'll, we'll dive into a little more familiar territory. I think everyone's seen at least one of these, you know, kind of pop culture shows, yeah, movies, let's talk something pop like that. Let's get it. Let's get that's, it. If, if nothing more, we are a pop culture show for the we most are, part. So let's dive in, guys. We're exploring the, the darker side of pop culture. Um, Depending on your point so yeah. of view, I guess. Exactly. Some people may love this. I think I'll love it. <laughs> I, it's pretty fascinating. But yeah, we'll start with uh, Stranger Things, big popular show. I'm sure you guys have heard of it. Um, specifically, 11. I'm actually caught up on this one. Are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I, uh, I'm glad you uh, picked this because I'm, I'm like fully aware of it. It's see, when I first saw it, it was I was just blown away. I thought it was super fascinating because this this girl has been experimented on and somehow has these powers and rips open an alternate alternate dimension and you know these kids help her out i thought it was really cool it's, well yeah and, you know that 80s throwback stuff and it's not only her she is the 11th patient and that's mm. why her name's 11 and i think yeah. i want to say in season two didn't they introduce a 12 her sister yeah so so they're like after her they kept going um, or at least they were doing it at the same time i guess is how it was they're probably in conjunction, I'm guessing. Yeah. But, yeah, the, just her creation, you know, brought on the Upside Down, which is a bad thing. Super uh, bad. But once she met, you know, the rest of the gang, Mike and his friends, she ended up using her powers for good to kind of stop the Upside Down and the Demogorgon. And, uh, but, but she wasn't necessarily designed to do good, to protect yeah. them. Like, they didn't know creating these, these kids would open up an alternate dimension or that oh, they yeah. could fight them with their minds. They were just trying to see how far they could push um, these kids. The human brain. Yeah. And I mean, I think 11's an isolated incident in most of these things we'll discuss. These things do not end well, usually. Like most of her, her siblings, you know, big air quotes there, um, they were kind of murderous and yeah, they were on the run and they were terrified and they were scared and they were, they had the free will and wanted to escape and live their own lives, but they're doing a whole lot of killing to do so. Yeah. With like the scientists and the people running this shady organization, whatever it is. Um, I, I think when you, when you push the limits like they did, that's when you've gone too far in these situations. It's, it's one thing to create the monster, uh, that being not the Demogorgon, but Eleven and the other kids that they created. Mm. It's one thing to create them, but then once you realize you created that, like that's, the, that's your stopping to point. To keep going. Yeah, yeah. When, when you keep going, that's when you, you turn into the villain. And obviously the scientists in this show are one of the villains. There's a lot of different oh, pieces moving, but that, but the fact that they kept doing this and kept the, the company running and doing more and more like that's, that's when you've gone too far, I guess. It's, it's hard. I think it goes back to what you said earlier, when you're getting, you know, you're having success, you keep going. Um, right. I think it's get, that, that natural human curiosity. It goes to your head. It's like the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, they they won the championship, but we want Kevin Durant. We want Boogie Cousins. We're not just going to stop. We're going to get more and more talent. 
So that's these people in these shows and movies, they do the same thing. They get a little bit of power and they want to see how much they can get. That's the first and last time you'll hear Stranger Things compared to the uh, Golden State Warriors. Thank you. I was going to say thank you for mentioning (laughs) Golden State Warriors. There is a topic I want to discuss at the end regarding NBA basketball. All right. Um, And and how the Warriors are a psychological experiment in themselves, I'm sure. uh, Yeah, sure. Sure. (laughs) That makes sense. All right. Um, Next one is... This this is more of an obscure one, and I know you, Calvin, hadn't seen it before I talked to you about it. But I did and watch it. He he did watch it, and he did he didn't necessarily feel it, which is totally cool. Um, I think it's one of those that you either feel it or you don't. It's a uh, you know hyper violent, futuristic, and neo Tokyo type deal after the apocalypse, and uh, a lot of gangs stuff like that. We haven't mentioned the name yet. It's Akira. Akira, Akira. Did I not mention it? I'm sorry, I thought I said it. Whoops. So those of you paying attention, you know what movie we were talking about already, but those of you not, we're talking about Akira, uh, the um, 1980s anime. Yep. Yeah. It's it's definitely, they call it groundbreaking and all that good stuff. I could see Um, how in the late 80s, I think, when it was produced, how it would be considered that. Watching it in 2019, it, it doesn't really hold up to groundbreaking. No, but I will say the animation is really well done. It is. Um, it it doesn't really look like new and computer generated. It's all hand drawn, so it's like it's crisp. But anyway, you know Akira. Thank you for reminding me to mention that, and specifically the character of Tetsuo, who as part of a gang, he basically runs into this person who has had psychological experiments performed upon them to create. I don't know, not necessarily a god-type, omnipotent being. It's like a hive mind deal. It's super weird. It's hard to explain. Or at least that's what I took from it. And he gains, you know, powers of telekinesis and stuff of that nature. And then basically proceeds to destroy everything and murder hundreds and hundreds of people Mm -hmm. because... At least. Just be... Well... He, at geez, least hundreds a lot of people man he went yeah, to town no i said at least a hundred hundreds of people it may have been thousands i don't know um he was yeah he was doing some killing though and and this is kind of um this is going the other way from 11 like 11 realized absolutely by, no. by meeting these friends um she could be good uh mm. tetsuo on the other hand um it's he he didn't necessarily once he realized his powers he he didn't want to use them for bad right away he started kind of using them out of his own fear like he would get a, he would get beaten up he would get bullied a lot um or the, mm. the rival gang would come out and attack him those kind of things and he would use his powers to stop them but then once he kind of realized that he could gain more power he could be the leader of his gang and then that just built up and built up and this akira thing got in his head it made himself push himself over the limits and to see what his limits were um, and see himself become the villain, basically. It wasn't anybody else pushing for that. Yeah, and actually, everybody he, around him was trying to stop him, and he wouldn't let them. It, it, yeah, he, he came into it with these, these buddies. I won't necessarily say they're, like, super... I mean, their friendship was kind of weird, in my opinion. It was kind of abusive, I guess, from the leader of the gang, but as part of a gang, you, you guys are pretty tight. Mm-hmm. So to eventually turn on them the way he did, I thought was just incredible. Like how this this power, you know, this weapon was created in this boy. Yeah. And what, you know, I guess 
polar opposite of 11 and what we see just pure devastation and often straight destruction well and yeah that's it's when you look at both of those side by side you see why you should never play around with something like this because you don't know how it's going to go yeah you could get an 11 but you could also get a tetsuo slash akira like you don't know you don't know how the subject is going to react um and once you give them powers you can't control how they're going what they're going to do with those and how they're going to abuse them if they so choose. Yeah, definitely not. They are, uh, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a tough situation to, uh, like we said, a lot of gray areas. It's hard to, you know, say it's right or wrong and to predict Probably what's going to happen. Brains. Yeah. No, we're, we as human beings are very odd creatures. And when you fuck with us, we tend to lash out in very destructive ways. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That, that checks out. <laughs> I can back that up. And that brings us to the Winter Soldier. Oh, yes. Um, Speaking of, of my... lashing out in strange ways. Very, very strange ways. By tag-teaming Captain America, you know, with Captain America to beat up Iron Man. <laughs> Spoilers. Um, if you haven't seen that yet, check it out. But anyway, <laughs> Winter Soldier, you know, was abducted by the Ruskies and brainwashed to basically be a super badass assassin yeah i mean it's russia and you can't he, expect much much more out of them than that i mean their president is a basically an assassin an ex-assassin type kgb soldier so yeah i mean why you, not you there get, you get what you you pay for there in russia um yeah. which they paid for in assassin and so at least the russians in this case and uh, dr arnim zola more uh, particularly they were smart enough to, to put in controls against Winter Soldier. Absolutely. They had, you know, they had the keywords that would trigger him. They'd put him in ice Ooh. when he wasn't being used. They would, they, I'm sure they had like kill switch words as well. We don't get to see that really, but I, I would think if they have trigger words, they probably have a kill switch word as well. Um, oh yeah. So say lasagna and his head blows off. Yeah, that that could be it, or he just like falls asleep maybe. No, I'd rather see it. Okay. All right. Agree to disagree. I I really like the Winter Soldier, so I don't I don't you know you can't do that to Bucky. He's Cap's best friend. Dude, he got ghosted by Thanos, man. Oh, that's true. It was terrible. He'll be back. It was terrible. Did the arm stay or did the arm go with him? I don't remember. The arm went with him because he. I'm pretty sure he was holding the gun with his arm. That's right, and the gun dropped, but the arm came because I guess now that it's vibranium, it's probably tied into him somehow. All right, all right, I can buy that. Yes. Um, that's neither here nor there. The um. But yeah, the, so that's a different way to go is is to not let it get out of control, to not see yourself be the bad guy, even though, I mean, they were doing it for what the Americans would see as evil reasons. But as far as the Russians go, they're just taking out targets to make them the superpower. Um, exactly. They, they put in controls to help keep him under control, basically. And that's, mm. you know, I think some of these other teams could learn from that. Well... I think they knew what they had when they were going. I mean, they set out to create a super soldier Mm -hmm. and messing with someone's brain like that. You have to assume it as they did, that there's going to be some issues. Um, They really learned that lesson with like the second batch of winter soldiers, but I loved winter soldiers character in the, in all the Marvel movies. I really loved when they revealed how he killed Tony Stark's parents. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and he, and he has yeah. no control over it, but that to Tony, that doesn't matter. Like, Tony, he still did it. Whether Mm-mm. he's in control of himself or not, he still did it. Oh, damn Bucky. Broke up the Avengers. They'll be back. Such a jerk. They'll all be uh, back. 
there'll be a different set of Avengers. I cannot wait to see that movie and dive into a review of that later oh, on. Oh yeah, we'll uh, we'll jump right into that after we see it, because that'll be a opening weekend type of thing. That would be awesome. Alright. Well, um, is there anything else you wanted to add about Winter Soldier? No, I mean, just because like, if we're talking MCU Winter Soldier, he hasn't been very well developed. And I think we've talked about this before, where I think he was supposed to probably take over for Cap at some point, but Anthony Mackie did such a great job that they kind of shifted to him. So mm. they've, they've kind of just let Winter Soldier play on the sidelines now. Um, but he, I wish they would have explored him more. And I haven't you know, read enough of the comics to kind of talk to him from that perspective of of what he is and the character is basically the same but you know the character that he he's probably a much deeper character in the comics um yeah, because absolutely. they've got 50 years of building him up as a character um but yeah so i don't i don't have much more on winter soldier just because he's not that heavily ingrained yet not yet but stay tuned for black panther 2 i'm calling that he's going to be a big part of that yeah he's going to have to take down no more so that'll be interesting dude i love that so awesome. I thought Namora was going to show up in Infinity War, but that didn't happen. Eh, well, technically, I think he's under the Fox banner, because he technically is an X-Men, or X-Man. Mm, I don't think so. He definitely is part of the X-Men. Or at least if we're going from like recent MCU continuity, like uh, like the Civil War comics at the same time as like Avengers vs. X-Men, and Namora's part of it. Oh, okay. So I'm but I don't think, with that I don't theory. think historically I don't think he's part of the X Men. I don't know. They Somebody have, who knows more about crazy roster. Yeah, let us know on Twitter at APA something. That's us. <laughs> All right, we are going into a super obscure character, and I think a lot of people who have seen this movie or read this book, uh, you know, see the merit of what these people were setting out to do. And that book slash movie is A Clockwork Orange. So I'm not Calvin... one of these people who has seen or read the book, so this is all you. You can you can tell me what's going on, I'll give my thoughts, but I don't know anything about it. And don't worry about spoiling it, I have no plan to watch it. It's pretty straightforward. Um, it was written by Anthony Burgess, pretty good author, and directed by Stanley Kubrick. So I knew that. It has a lot of firepower behind it, and it focuses on the main character, Alex DeLarge. And he's basically, to put it bluntly, a rapist gang member in the near future. And uh, he gets busted um, for for being this piece of shit. <laughs> and, uh, Sounds about right. Well, you know, he gets his just desserts. So they try this new method on him to cure him of his disease or cure him of his problems. And it's basically aversion therapy. So they... You know, they open up his eyes and they keep him open. I think a lot of people have seen that scene where he's strapped to a chair with his eyes yeah. wide open and they show him, you know, pictures of war, killing, sex, stuff like that. And eventually any kind of like violence or sexual images make him become completely ill. Like he becomes completely incapacitated and has no life after that. Yeah. So what I found really, really just fucked up about that is they strip this person of his free will. Yes, he was someone who, you know, a rapist and a piece of shit gang member who loved to commit violence for fun. But at what point does that strip him of his, you know, what makes him a human being? Yeah. 
Right. Yeah. They again. This is another one where they're doing it clearly for the best of reasons. They um they want him to be uh, not violent, basically, and mm. by by doing that, you strip him, like you said, of his humanity, and like he can at this point, there's no chance of rehabilitation, and he will just be a shell anytime he sees anything, you know, and anything that could trigger these feelings, and that. It, you can't always control when you're going to come across some, one of those triggers. Um, so I, I guess, you know, maybe him getting violently ill is better than him going and killing somebody, but there, there's probably a middle ground in there somewhere too, that maybe they should have worked for. That's kind of my thought. I think they, they take it too far. Like this dude, but, but I, he was asking for it. I mean, he's taunting them, this and that. And eventually he has to, you know, just gets his just desserts because he is totally just a goner and if i think something like that is completely you know it has merit to it and i think it is ethical to do things like that showing someone terrible images to get a decent middle ground not something that far right where they're just a shell of a human yeah it's basically aversion therapy is is you you trigger a unwanted response from something you know something that you, that normally would would you basically you give them the opposite response of what it is now if if they violently attack people you would show them that and make them in physical pain like give them physical pain at the same time mm-hmm. so they would avoid violence at that point because they would want to avoid the physical pain but like you said it, it seems like there should be a middle ground there somewhere where it's not it's not just they avoid it it's they fall violently ill like that's there's a big difference between those two things absolutely and i think that big difference is the the stripping of free will and Mm -hmm. um you know we've seen well they didn't give him a choice in his therapy either they they did technically oh they did serving a, a sentence you know he's in prison and they're basically like hey do you want to try oh, out gotcha. be a part of this and uh you know we'll let you out so he does it and it totally destroys his life um and i think that's that's kind of you know it has a parallel to real life mm-hmm. like i think a lot of when these experiments were done they were uh they were broadcast as something that it wasn't obviously and <clears throat> we've seen a lot of these experiments in real life have incredible results one of which um, incredible but i cannot wait to talk oh no not necessarily (laughs) good most of the time bad um i found it in the cases we're going to talk about definitely bad oh yeah absolutely and i i sound so excited to talk about it but it's fascinating um i did find another one that i wanted to discuss but i am going to open with one everybody knows about mk ultra and if, if you don't know about it, it's basically a real, you know, a real life experiment using, you know, LSD and a lot of other obscure. Well, they used all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, basically to focus on behavioral engineering. So mm-hmm. mind control, like they wanted to create someone that, you know, basically an assassin for the Ruskies. They were trying to make a winter soldier, but instead they made Ted Kaczynski. Yeah, and it was, um, I mean, they used LSD, hypnosis, sensory deprivation, um, verbal and sexual abuse, which that's definitely going too far. And, and oh, it yeah. says in some cases they um, 
uh, the methods they use with sexual abuse of children. So I don't know how they worked that into there, but it was very on the um, darker side of gray what they were doing because a lot of these oh absolutely experiments that MK that were part of the MK Ultra were um, they were not volunteer they were not volunteers participating they were drug addicts sex workers prisoners mm-hmm. mental patients uh basically people who cannot fight back is what they were looking for uh, the dregs yeah and and they would they would you know give them tons and tons of lsd or they would hypnotize them or they would you know put them in isolation and just see what that would do to their mind see if they could train them to basically brainwash them to do their bidding uh through any of these different methods and um, yeah, the, the MK Ultra definitely sits on the wrong side of the gray line of the spectrum. Yeah, it's it was just it was absolutely terrible what these people endured. But for some of them, it was it was voluntary. Like they walked into there this were some because, volunteers. Yes. Oh, well, you know the government's like, hey, bud, we'll give you five hundred bucks if you you know get in a deprivation chamber for six hours right and part of it some of it mind was, in six hours yeah part of it was um like you could get school credits for it things like that because a lot of mm-hmm. universities participated in it um so there's there's all these they they i, I kind of think it was this way of finding as many you know people to do it as possible they they you know got these involuntary people and saw if they could get them and then they so if they could use the same methods to get uh, volunteers to, to follow their lead. And it's, yeah, it's definitely a, a uh, not a good thing. No. And if you don't know who Ted Kaczynski is, he was the Unabomber. Well, real quick, before fascinating we character. move on to the Unabomber, we, um, I talked about this on, I want to say it was episode 23 when we talked about a city I used to live in, Plattsburgh, New York, which has a lot of different um, paranormal things going on. As well oh, nice. as um, there was a um, there's an air force base there, which uh, basically the air force base is too big to sustain the um, the actual air force presence that was there at the time. So it's thought that it was a secret kind of MK Ultra facility as well, and that they were doing some of these experiments there. So go back and listen mm-hmm. to episode 23 to get more information on that and the research we did on that. Uh, because one of um, one of the Columbine shooters' dad worked on the Air Force Base, and then no for like eight years before they moved to Colorado, and then um, obviously the the kid grew up to to be one of the Columbine shooters. Um, so that's very interesting. If you want more information on that, go back to episode twenty three and listen to it. I know what I'm listening to after this. <laughs> um, All right, but another bad Sorry, case ahead. was the Unabomber, as you said. Oh yeah, he was a uh, he was just a nutcase. Um, but speaking of, I, for some reason, I had it in my mind Ted Kaczynski was a volunteer. Um, but here's another group of people back in 1971 who I know I'm, I'll let you take away because you really enjoy this one. Um, the experiment with regarding the Stanford prison experiment. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another one I want to probably do a whole episode on at some point because it's so much deeper than probably what we'll get into right now. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. But basically it was this psych professor who uh, got volunteers. These were all volunteers. He told them what was going on. There were 24 kids. He was going to split them in to two groups. Twelve were prisoners. Twelve were guards. They were all males. Um, all males, yeah. Which is probably an important thing to notice uh, or to note. Um, and they were... 
basically these kids were expected they were i think 18 to 22 year olds all of them they're expected to uh fulfill those roles 24 7 for two weeks they set up a mock prison in the basement of a, a building on at stanford and um basically they wanted to see what effects um would come to people who were basically if they were guards put in a position of power or if they were prisoners have all their power stripped from them and and have no agency and it did not go well (laughs) not well at all it it had to be shut down after six days um six days that's incredible and there there were people just like people had to take themselves out of it they they were the guards began abusing the prisoners um in various ways like i said we can go deeper on this in a special episode just on this and they've made a movie about it um that's a it's a hollywood movie so like it's not 100 percent true but it's out there and it's a pretty good movie to watch uh, but it, it's just crazy how quickly like because these are all friends or they knew each other and like they're all nice kids yeah. for the most part and just familiarity the, the switch flipped as soon as they were given just this little bit of power over somebody else and they started abusing them and that's a common occurrence we've seen throughout human history um i mean we share the dna with the last subspecies that you know we we were basically authoritarian over mm-hmm. you know the neanderthals and, and they're and all gone and we're here that was kind of what they wanted to see was you know what basically what gave people power was it actually having power or was it the illusion of power because you know these people had authority just because they said they did there was there yeah. i mean they're all the same age they're all in the same class like there's no reason that these kids should have authority over the others but like they they sat and listened to them. They did what they said because they didn't want to be abused. And they, you know, they yeah. would have kind of riots in there as well. The prisoners would. So it's super interesting um, experiment that was run that could not uh, have ended sooner. I think for a lot of the kids involved in it, because it was, oh, I imagine it was taking a toll on some of them. I imagine there was at least one guy who was the prison bitch and he probably wanted out big time. Yeah, in in the movie they they portray someone like that. Just basically, he anytime the guards wanted to take out anything, they kind of took it out on him, and he's kind of crying in the corner. And the other prisoners would kind of make fun of him as well. And um, I you know I don't remember who it was at the moment, but he he got out after like four days. He was just like, I can't take this anymore. Oh fuck yeah, man! I don't want to be. That would suck. It, and especially who gets to decide like like you said who gets to be a guard and who gets to be an inmate i think it was random selection that's uh, they had the 24 I kids i think they put them all in a hat and like drew, drew them out that way kind of thing and and it was monitored they had cameras up that the professor's monitoring the whole time like you know making sure they get food and everything like that but like i i just can't and and like as as quickly as it happened that's one of those things like you probably should have pulled the plug earlier but he kind of wanted to see how far it would go until it mm-hmm. got to a point where you couldn't anymore. Yeah, then you get into real ethical things. And yeah. as a big college like Stanford, you cannot breach those boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll we'll stop that part, that experiment there. Um, and in the future, guys, expect an episode, a larger one, full full length Stanford prison experiment episode. Sometime. Sometime. It's, a, it's we'll in our list. It. We have long lists yes. like Santa Claus. Um, the next one is one that I, I've heard of, at, you know, going through college and I, I've read about 
in the past, and it's called the Milgram Experiment. And it kind of segues into exactly what we were talking about in regards to this authority is giving someone authority and they obey it blindly. Just like Littlefinger says, power resides where the people think it resides. That's Varys, one of those two. I, I, they're both snakes. Yeah. But this experiment took place in 1961, and it's basically the willingness to obey authority. So they took subjects that they could hear but not see each other, and they were ordered to oh, shock yeah, the other yeah. subject for each wrong answer in a series of questions. Um, gradually, you know, depending on whether they answered the question wrong or even answered the question right, the shocks became worse and worse and worse. And people would scream and, you know, tell them to stop. And, and people would pause and look to the person conducting the study. And they would they kept telling them to go. Mm-hmm. So they would go. And it needs they continued to be said that going. no electric shocks were actually administered. They were fake electric exactly. shocks. The person on the other end was basically faking that they were being shocked. Um, mm-hmm. Which I so, think that's a way to do it where you don't necessarily cross a line. Because it may... See, because that could be difficult because the person administering the shocks are still, in their mind, doing something completely horrible. So how do you bring them back for that? Even if you tell them it was all fake, like, they still did something horrible. Yeah. Yeah. In their mind, they electrocuted someone to death. Mm -hmm. Um, But they did it because I think it also kind of comes to who do you blame? You know, who's to blame for that? Is it the person conducting the test or the person that didn't say no and continued to turn the knob till the other person was dead supposedly right or both i kind of think it's 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 both but i really found that experiment fascinating well it's interesting to think too of what kind of authority did the person telling the other person to to shock actually have i i I think he was a professor and the the uh, person basically pushing the button was a student so Mm -hmm. like at some point I would think I, I would think if I were put in that position, I would stop listening to the professor. Like I would just be like, no. Um, yeah, who are you, dude? Like, yeah. buzz off. <laughs> I don't even need that much to stop listening to a professor. Like I, I, I never felt like um, these professors had authority over me just because they were older than me or like put in a position to teach. And I think I probably got that from high school because I, I didn't feel like a lot of my high school teachers um, were. Good. Worth a damn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same they just, here, they brother. Just I... Didn't, like, I, I went to a little private school that was uh, very underfunded, and the, the, you could tell by who the teachers were. Like, we had an English teacher who could barely read sometimes. And I'm not wow. I'm not the best, like, uh, out loud reader. I'm a terrible reader out loud, but I wouldn't go be an English teacher. Um, like, yeah, I, know, sure. I know my limitations there. Um, but, yeah, so, like, I, I just knew that, that – these these high school teachers there were some that were very good teachers but there were a lot more that were uh, to me didn't deserve to have authority over me um and like i i was a good student anyways so like i would listen and do the right thing because you're supposed to do the right thing but i mm-hmm. I wouldn't like if you told me to do if one of those people told me to do somebody that something that would have hurt somebody else i wouldn't have listened just because they're my teacher and that's probably where i lost by dealing with those teachers on a regular basis i kind of lost authority that just because you're an adult doesn't mean you can tell me what's right or wrong like i can make up my own mind on that exactly it doesn't mean you're always right and Mm -hmm. a lot of adults have done a lot of really crazy shit that if you put a kid in charge or just 
you know, in general, someone like you in your situation, it, they wouldn't do the crazy shit, mm -hmm. such as, you know, shocking this person to death. I would like to think um, that I wouldn't. Yeah. Until you're put in that position, you can't really tell, but I, I, would, Exa I would exactly. think I wouldn't. That's it's like one of those like would you shock someone to death for a million dollars? It's no. like I don't know, man. We'll see. <laughs> like, is it someone I hate? Is it like who is it? You know, is it a guy that deserves to die? And who someone on death row already? Yeah, exactly. Well, then maybe I'll virtually turn that switch through my Xbox controller a thousand miles away. We'll see. But I think it, this is one of my thoughts that. We have evolved to be this way. Um, as a species, we've we've kind of you know we've evolved relatively rapidly. I mean, they say Homo sapiens, as they are, have been around for like a hundred thousand years. So I mean, that's pretty quick to be you know modern day humans. And as modern day humans, with all these advancements in technology and stuff like that, do you think we'd ever? evolve to the point where like telekinesis or, or some of these things they're trying to achieve with these psychological experiments could become reality um there's bits and pieces of this um i think like because you said something like enhanced senses um i, I think mm -hmm. that's possible where you have somebody like daredevil for instance who um you know, one of their senses has been dulled, so their their other senses are working overtime. I, I think that does happen, and I think it can happen, and I think that's more of a direction that, that natural evolution will take us to. Um, I was reading something earlier, it was like a listicle about how basically modern day lifestyles are killing our bodies, or oh, um, yeah. in, basically doing bad things for our bodies without it, and one mm -hmm. of them was like... Um, Basically, we're killing our ears because we listen to music really loudly and put headphones in. And a lot of the things we do are just too loud for our ears to handle by nature. But I, I think something like that, I think in, instead of us, you know, progressively having worse and worse hearing, I think eventually our ears are going to adapt. Like our we're, our hearing is going to adapt and we're going mm. to be able to handle louder and louder or, sounds. Now, yeah. our generation will probably lose our hearing very early but in three generations, they'll have adapted to to better handle the things that we can't handle right now. So I, I find that fascinating. I think things like that can happen. And um, the other the other thing I noticed, I watched um, the Predator the other day, and one of the statements that the Predator tried to make basically was that um, people on the autism spectrum are actually the next step in human evolution. Um, huh. which was interesting in the framework of the movie. Um, I, I don't necessarily know that that's true, but basically yeah. because they think on a different level and, you know, some of them are very, they're basically savants in, in one thing, but can't handle a lot of other things. Um, yeah. so that was their thesis is that because they're that way, they just need to figure out how to hone that or to combine all the different things to basically take the next step. Um, I, I don't know that there's going to be a next like giant leap of evolution though. Um, at, at least not one that we can reach on our own. I don't think they're just going to unlock the brain, like in these movies, like limitless and things like that. That's, that's something I was going to, I was kind of going to mention is our brains are capable of, of a lot, but my, my wife works with brains and she's, she told me that movie is such bullshit. Like people use their brains way more yeah. than, <laughs> than they advertise. But still, like... Yeah, the whole, uh, we only use 10% of our brains is, like, complete bullshit and doesn't exist. 
Yeah, exactly. And it's it's one of those myths, like, if you ask a cop if he's a cop, he has to tell you he's a cop. No, that's not it's true. Just, it, that is not true either. But I do think over time, you know, what you said about, like, your hearing over becoming more resilient to loud noises. I think as a species, what we will reach a point where these things are more consistent. Like mm-hmm. everybody for the most part, except for in third world countries. And as they develop, you know, can wear corrective lenses or straighten their teeth or something like that. So, you know, they have stronger teeth, better gums, better eyesight, you know, better hearing. And at what point do that, does that become standard fare for every human born like every human's just born with 2020 vision now like that'd be that'd be crazy and i think we will achieve that as a species at some point i think that's possible um i i don't know that it'll be through natural evolution i think to to get things like that i think it will be through some sort of genetic engineering basically Mm. as as you're making a baby you'll get to pick and choose or the baby will have already been made but as the baby is cooking in the oven as it were <laughs> um you'll be able to kind of pick and choose traits um and i think that's more where we're going through technology we'll be able to enhance certain aspects of our lives and you know you would for the most part nobody's going to select um if if you have a couple and you have one person who wears glasses and one person who doesn't and you're able to kind of choose where the child falls on the vision spectrum you're going to choose closer to the person who doesn't wear glasses obviously Mm. so i think we're going to force ourselves into this through you know some type of technological advancements and genetic engineering type things i don't think we're all going to be x-men no absolutely not that would be dope though but i think only if i could be nightcrawler nightcrawler's that dude man i love nightcrawler well there's another episode but uh (laughs) um I think when we, like, like you said, every, every parent's going to want the best for their kid, especially if they had the options to customize their child, like, you know, a menu at McDonald's. Like, I don't think you're going to be, a, if you're two white people, you're not going to be able to make a black baby. Like, I, I don't oh, think it's going to be like totally that. You could totally do that. You could super do that. You'd probably <laughs> do that now. But. Well, you could do it, but it wouldn't be the two white people doing it. There'd exactly. have to be a, there'd have to be a third entity in there. Or some really progressive people that just you know are hipsters out west but i think if you do that and eventually the entire population has genetically modified you know everything about themselves so they're the best that severely clashes with survival of the fittest and at the same time you'll only choose the you'll only choose the strongest genes and then you'll reach a point where you won't have to choose anymore because everybody will have the strongest. Yeah, I, I suppose. I, I just, I don't know if there's a limit to the capabilities of the human body. I mean, obviously there is a limit, but I think over time and with genetic modification, I think we could be, you know, timeless people, which I don't know, that sounds a little crazy, but I'm curious to see, I don't know if you guys have heard, but there is a man, I believe in China who has genetically modified children like babies and he's he's modified their genes to customize these children um to a certain extent and i'm curious to see how those children grow up and Mm -hmm. what the the consequences of him doing so are like i know china is pissed right now well yeah they they don't like people um doing things out of the ordinary there 
without, I mean, without the government telling them to, at least. Exactly. I mean, if, you know, the I don't even know what their government's called anymore. I know it's Republic of China or some, some stuff, but boo. Anyway, how, how you know, what did this Michael man Scott have to knows do a lot about this? China, you can ask him. <laughs> I just watched that episode <laughs> That's last a good one night, too. man. I love that episode. I'll pay for the coffee, and uh, <laughs> this was a great, great conversation. You can't let Oscar win. I don't know. I think it's it's something we can achieve and maybe eventually will. But if you had the option to undergo some of these psychological experiments right now to achieve a significant advantage, would you? Um, my answer is I probably wouldn't. Um, I, I don't like I, I really like the way my brain is wired and how it works and how I think about things. And I don't like the idea of taking a chance on changing any of that. Like I don't, I don't take any mood altering drugs. I've never, you know, done any hard drugs, anything harder than alcohol. Um, which even that, like, I don't like getting severely hammered and not feeling like myself basically. Yeah. Um, and then uh, a few weeks ago I was at the chiropractor and they, um, he asked me if I was sleeping well. And I said, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. He suggested using a type of supplement um, to help get better sleep. And basically the way the supplement worked it was it controlled the release of serotonin. And I, I didn't even want to take that because like that's triggering a chemical reaction in my brain that's not supposed to be happening. Um, I did end up taking it a couple times and I slept worse on it. So like I don't have to worry about that anymore because it sucked. Mm-hmm. But like it, it, just the idea of like my mood not being in my control was that I was uncomfortable with that. So I don't think I would go into one of these. Maybe when I was younger um if it could have made me athletically better yeah Mm. if it could have like made me athletically better um but not in a way that's considered cheating i guess i might have but it it, the the pros would have to very far outweigh the cons yeah and to a certain extent i agree with you um just because i i like who i am and i I really don't need anything greater than what i got Mm -hmm. so i think that kind of you know, blurs the lines between why we have all these bad situations coming from psychological experiments, because it's often people with nothing to lose. Like we have something to lose. We got people at home, we got children, Mm -hmm. you know, stuff like that. We have ties to humanity and we don't want to go through these experiments that strip our humanity to make us into something we shouldn't be. It's going to change me. And then the people who I care about and care about me are not going to look at me the same way. And, you know, fuck that. That sucks. Yeah. That, guys, completes our episode about psychological experiments. Yeah, tell us your thoughts on uh, if you would undergo psychological experiments, if you've heard of any um, other interesting psychological experiments that we can look into in the future that we didn't cover here, or like movies, TV shows that cover that, let us know. Hit us on Twitter, send us emails. Um, the email is a podcast about something at gmail.com. Uh, but yeah, we we like talking about this stuff, obviously. We did a whole hour on just the idea of it, so digging deeper into some of these actual experiments will definitely be on the table for the future. Absolutely, absolutely. And I want to say, guys, before we go, love seeing these reviews for for a podcast about something on iTunes popping up. Keep at it, guys. We appreciate it so much. Yeah, reviews are fantastic. Um, you know, feedback, anything like that. Interact with us on Twitter. Um, I'm always on Twitter, so just send us a tweet, and I'll I'll probably respond to you for the most part. Um, yep. We got. I pop in and out. Yeah, he's there. 
<laughs> if if I remember to tag uh, Alone Podcast, uh, Nick's other great uh, fantasy story podcast or sci-fi story podcast, uh, if I tag if I remember to tag him in the tweets, he, he usually pops in too. I, I, I forget sometimes though. In a I don't. I don't ever mean to to leave you out. I'm sorry. And uh, thank you for saying that. My <laughs> ego was very bruised, and I appreciate it. But yeah, follow us on Twitter. Um, check out those cats. They provide all the music for a podcast about something. Leave reviews on iTunes. We have a fully up and running Patreon page at patreon.com/slash podcast about something. Um, just last week, we put up our first Patreon exclusive, a movie review of Glass. Uh, so check that out and pay us money to keep doing this. Because we love doing it, and I think you guys love hearing it. And I like money. And who doesn't like money? Money's great. Money is great. Stay sassy. Stay classy. Bye, <laughs>